All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Again, and welcome to Permanent Screwheads Talk Horror Movies. I'm Screwhead Dan. And I'm Screwhead Andrew. And we are here once again to dissect, dismember, and discuss horror movies. Today's horror movie is going to be the 2021 Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, the eighth live-action Resident Evil film. And I don't even know how much if we include the CGI movies and all of that stuff right there. It's, it, it is big. But anyway, Andrew, how you doing? You know, man, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I know it's been like what it's been like a month since we did one of these. I think we you know we finished off with Scream, um, and other than having watched this movie now twice, um, you know, life life's been pretty great. Uh, have you been watching Peacemaker by the way? I know I know you have back and forth, but I have, and it's amazing. I am all caught up. And if, if if listeners, if you haven't watched Peacemaker yet, watch Peacemaker. It is fantastic. It's so good. I like oh, and that opening theme song. I've never skipped it. I just like jam out to it. It's so good, and that that dance. <laughs> Oh, that that series just, just just the opening alone is enough for me. Like, it's it's so. Can good. we just take a second and talk about just how good James Gunn got it in terms of he got fired from Guardians of the Galaxy three over some old Tromaville treats way 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 back when he got a job with DC. He ended up doing the Suicide Squad, which was also fantastic, and then he, now he's got the job with Peacemaker, and then he got rehired again for Guardians of the Galaxy three. Like there was he, it was the best possible situation getting out of that. Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, it's crazy about Peacemaker too. Is he wrote it while he's fucking waiting for uh, Suicide Squad to finish like rapping because of like COVID and shit. Like he just yeah. like wrote this on the side and was like, "Hey, can I can I do this?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, go for it." Like, insane. I, I he he is such a good writer. I am so impressed with him. And I, and I do really like the fact that you know Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad movie, uh, the good Suicide Squad movie, <laughs> is. Basically, you can tell how less restrained he is than he was with Guardians of the Galaxy. Because, you know, Peter Gunn, or not Peter Gunn, um, uh, wait, yeah, Peter Gunn, that, that's the director, right? James Gunn? James Gunn, sorry, yeah, for some reason I was just thinking, oh, Peter Gunn, I, I don't know. Peter Gunn, a porn star? I think it uh, might be. Well, I, I know, know. He has a, anyway. his brother also does some stuff. Is that, oh, but I don't, I don't, is that Peter? Why. I'm not sure. I don't know who that is, guy is. But his... Was Peter Gunn the guy who did PG porn? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, PG porn, someone... Right, I'm, yeah, I'm looking Peter it up now. I'm looking it up. Uh, Peter Gunn is a police procedural, apparently. Um, Never heard of that. You don't. Oh, the song Peter Gunn. That's it. No, that's that. That's where I know it from. Oh. Okay, never mind. Look at that. Learned something new today. Anyway, so now my brain is completely crossed between. Um, uh, James Gunn and Peter Gunn, so it's all over the place. But anyway, no, James Gunn, I, I, I'm really glad that he doesn't have that filter anymore um, with Peace Baker and the Suicide Squad, and you can kind of tell he's a little bit more in his element in terms of ultraviolence and just using his history and everything like that, especially he did uh, Slither too. Yeah. That was that. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I was thinking a little while ago, I feel like, like, I know that DC gets a lot of shit and their movies aren't always, you know, are, they're kind of hit or miss and their elements that work and their elements that don't. Mostly miss, yeah. But like, I I feel like the like the one thing that like obviously you know these movies are probably overproduced like crazy just like the Marvel movies are but they just feel like they take so many more risks to a degree mm-hmm. and I feel like seeing this compared to the Guardians of the Galaxy I and like and this and um and uh, Suicide Squad like I feel like there's just so much like they're just embracing all the comics 
like Marvel just barely started bracing the comics really I feel like with like the multiverse and shit but this one they mentioned they referenced like Batmite like Starro is the big villain in Suicide Squad like all these care all these kind of like uncommon characters and like these like things I think the studios are kind of afraid to put on screen because it's like kind of out there and it's very comic booky they're just embracing and I, I love mm-hmm. that like even the fact that Doomsday was um, in Batman v Superman I thought was kind of like an insane leap to throw into that like that early in a franchise they're trying to kick off so like yeah and that's kind of why i didn't like it i felt that kind of blew their wad a little bit too early on that and i think that's the biggest thing about the dc universe is they started off just trying to be a marvel light but just darker and now they're embracing you know more violent but i mean peacemaker is not a dark show it's a hilarious show when the violence is very comedic um but at the same time, too, it's just, it's very unique, mm-hmm. every single one of the DC movies uh, nowadays, of course. Um, basically everything after Justice League. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I'm excited they're taking more risks because they definitely need to. Well, and I'm hoping it's, that, like, Wonder Woman 1984 was kind of a course correction for them. I feel like that, I feel like that to me, that yeah. felt like the more, that, that felt very much like the a Marvel movie in the sense of, like, the overproduction and kind of, like, the very safe play of it and the very, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know, obvious things that were there for obvious reasons to hint at threat, and you're just kind of like, oh, this is like kind of cringy because you've set up this so blatantly. So it was nice. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that was kind of a course correction for them to realize that wasn't maybe what to do. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping with it with these future ones. Like, I, I know, who knows, the Flash, the new Flash movie might be a fucking mess. Uh, but I'm here for it. <laughs> we shall see. I, I really like the first Shazam, so I'm excited for the sequel as well. That was like, I mean, that was definitely a typical kind of Marvel formula, I guess you could say at this point, but uh, I did enjoy that one. Talk- anyway, we are uh, not here to talk about Peacemaker, we're here to talk about Resident Evil. Do you want to jump into that, or you got any of my thoughts? No, no, you know, I think it's a great transition talking about one property that's been overproduced, and you know, they gave it another try and it worked out, to another property that was overproduced, and they gave it another try, and it exists. <laughs> yep. you know? All right, so let's get into Resident Evil because I think we're going to have a lot to talk about with this because both Andrew and I are kind of diehard Resident Evil fans. And I don't know if it's it would happen this way for you, but it was for me kind of like I was talking with my friends and... I just thought to myself, oh yeah, how many Resident Evil games have I played? Well, I played one, two, three, four, five, six. I played both the Outbreaks. I played this one. I played that one. Holy shit, I've played like 90% of the Resident Evil games. I guess I'm a diehard fan now. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like Resident Evil is one of those things that like I really like, but I never really th- think about how much I like it. Like, like just like you just said, like I think the ones I haven't played, I, I haven't played um, Operation Raccoon City, which I want to play, and I haven't played mm-hmm. like the Gun Survivor game. Uh, but I've played, I think, all the others. I've played the Wii games. I've played uh, the Game Boy games. Uh, I've played Gaiden. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I've played them all. But like, I've... so fun fact: um, I did technically play the PS One uh, original Resident Evil way back in middle school, and it scared the hell out of me. I had nightmares for weeks. Uh, but the very first time I played it to completion was actually the DS version when it came out, Resident Evil Dead Aim, because Nintendo was doing the thing where all of their games had the subtitle that started with the initials DS. I never got that. That's why that was called that. But damn, that makes sense uh-huh. now. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 not not deadly aim deadly silence there that we go uh-huh. dude i remember yeah. that game because you could slash the screen for the knife you get to use a little the little stick to slash the screen for the yep. knife and the zombie came at you dude, dude the first game was so punishing uh dang i i still feel like honestly I mean, the resident evil the remake the gamecube remake i think is still like one of the best games ever made Oh, it's one of the best remakes ever made, too. And, you know, obviously, we're going to show our nerd cred here, but, you know, it didn't... 
jumpstart the survival horror genre. I think its common conception of Sweet Home on the NES did that one, but it definitely popularized the hell out of it. And then I kind of did that. Um, I, I, I took that off and, you know, Fatal Frame uh, kind of wrote it there. I don't consider Silent Hill survival horror, per se. I consider it more just like straight psychological horror, but that that's another one of my favorite game series of all time. Um, Chase the Express, you ever remember that one on the original Nintendo? Uh, no, I don't ever played that now. Yeah, it was. Uh, it wasn't a horror game, but it was still kind of survival. Um, you were a special secret agent on a train that's been hijacked by terrorists. Uh, that was another big one too. I don't know. I'm trying to think what other really big survival horror games were there around that time. Uh, I have no idea. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like, what? Like, what? What was your experience of the games? When did you first start playing them? What was your first game? Uh, yeah. So. Middle school was the very first one. My friend Greg had Resident Evil, and they were about halfway through the game. Um, and we played it during middle school. We played for maybe two or so hours. I still distinctly remember the dreams I had about the game. Uh, just a little nightmares back and forth. I had these nightmares about being eaten alive and all that good stuff. Uh, but I really didn't play a full Resident Evil game through until I think Resident Evil 4... Um, it was either that or the original Resident Evil on the DS. Um, but after that, then I found out my cousins had a copy of Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3, so I borrowed that from them, played through that, uh, played through Code of Veronica when I got my Dreamcast in high school, played through 1 and the remake, and then ever since then, like, whenever there's been a major Resident Evil release that comes out, um, I play it. Resident Evil 5, I've played through that, gosh, four or five times by now with, like, different people every single time. Uh, it was great. That's such a good co-op. Yeah. It, it, it It's one of those games where single player is not that great, but co-op, oh, my God, it takes it to such another level. It, it's one of my favorite co-op games of all time. Uh, yeah. So how about you? Uh, what was your history with the series? I think I got into it in third grade. I had a buddy named Ryan who was, like, like obsessed with jill valentine specifically her resident evil 3 costume and uh i think as a kid i was like oh yeah okay i, I see why you like that <laughs> um so i think uh resident evil 3 i think was the first one i played um i, I remember i i bought the uh I got, like on ebay i'm pretty sure i bought the third one and um uh the resident evil director's cut uh for the playstation one i played through both of those uh but then i then i played through the remake um i think around the, when the movies were coming out um and then i went back and basically played through all of them um yeah no, i think four four is the big hit for me i think just like kind of getting back into it and then yeah five six all the remakes have gone through um mm -hmm. and then actually i read all the books as well um in middle school or uh no third grade sorry back to third grade and uh, resident evil and Elmer's predator kind of popped up at the same time in my life to a degree <laughs> um and <laughs> so actually steve perry who wrote all the adaptations of um the alien predator comics and the, the kind of the, the original alien comics uh he uh, was was tapped to write the adaptations of the book of the games, um, but I think he actually gave his it uh, the instead his daughter actually took him on. So his, his uh, daughter, I think she goes by S D Perry. I think her name's like Stephanie Perry. Um, wrote the adaptations of the um, video games, and they're pretty good. Um, I I have them all on my bookshelf actually right now, um, and it's actually really cool because they wrote. Um, so I think that she went through and wrote like basically starting from one going on, and then went back and wrote Resident Evil Zero. Um, but she also includes books that take in place in between them. So that I remember there's one book where they basically like, um, Rebecca Chambers gets like kidnapped and like her, no, not kidnapped, sorry, her and like another, some other members of like the remaining stars and, um, 
the BSSA or they're called all kind of go to this island and there's like another big bad guy there who has like these different uh, rooms with uh, different kind of zombies in them and stuff and like experimental zombies. And so like they, she really kind of expands the universe a little bit, which is nice. Um, even if actually uh, takes elements kind of from originally parts that were originally parts of the game that were kind of cut out or something and puts them into it. Um, so the novels were great. And actually, I think they stole some stuff from them. I think like that, that concept of um, these different kind of zones they go into and have to kind of face off against the uh, the varying creatures that were there. I think they stole that in one of the Resident Evil uh, live action movies, that really shitty one where they're like, where they brought Leon and Barry and all them into it. I think that may have been the sixth one or the fifth. I can't remember. One of, one of you know, one of the, the shitty ones. Uh, so I, it's interesting that they kind of inspired some later ones, but those books are great. Anybody is interested in Resident Evil and kind of feels like they exhausted all the games, the, the books are definitely worth a read. Yeah, um, I can't say I've read any one of those. I have seen a couple of the CGI movies. I've seen the first four live action movies, and it got to a certain point where it's like, this is this is not Resident Evil. This is just its own thing. Paul W S Anderson or Paul. I always confuse the two. Is it Paul Thomas Anderson or Paul W S Anderson? He's pa- Paul Paul, Paul W S. Uh, so Paul W S Anderson is the one who did these. He also did the uh, the Alien vs Predator movie. He did Mortal Kombat. He did uh, Event Horizon. Um, he he constantly hurts me. I, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like uh, like Alien Predator. You know I, I talk about it all, as much, but he came in as a guy who's a big fan and made this movie, and I was like, oh, okay, whatever. These movies, I don't fucking know what the like. He always said he's such a big fan, but then I feel like it came out later that he wasn't. Kind of like uh, Michael Bay in Transformers, where he kind of took that childhood property that you liked, and the first movie was all right, and you're like, all right, I can see where this is going, and then he just kind of like you know Michael Bay went into explosions in the military and how much he loves both of those things and. Paul Davis Anderson married Miljovic and was just like, look at my wife for six movies. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, what were your opinions on the, on the movies? Like, what were you I, they, they all run together for me. There, there is an element of kind of guilty pleasure to them, but there's just, there's way too many of them. And at the same time too, they're all very, they're just not good. And they're not Resident Evil at all. They just like have the characters cosplaying as the counterparts and that sort of thing. But overall, yeah, it's, it it would take me a while to sit through all seven or eight or whatever they are at this point. Um, for that. See, I I really, so I I feel like, Oh, sorry. You finished. No, that was it. I was going to segue into the next segment, but continue. I was going to say, I, I think the first two are pretty solid. I think the original one, I used to have like the deluxe edition of it, uh, I think the original one's pretty good in the sense that I think it's a fun way of... So, because, you know, the first game takes place at the Spencer Mansion, um, kind of after an outbreak has occurred. And basically, what the first movie does is is the outbreak occurring, essentially. Like, uh, it, it all kind of backtracks you a little bit to the point where you see um, the inhabitants of the Arclay, where they call it, mansion, Spencer Estate, mm-hmm. and you know, how it got run overrun essentially. And I, and I like that concept and I, and I kind of liked what he was doing there. Um, and I, you know, the red queen is a weird element, but I thought it was kind of, it was a new thing. And I liked that the, you know, the zombies and the liquor were kind of were there, but like, weren't, you know, they were monsters. They weren't the threat. And I really kind of enjoyed that because we didn't get a big bag. We didn't get a Wesker essentially. We got, we got his, uh, her husband, whatever the fuck his name was. Uh, uh I also, uh, read all the adaptations of the, of the movies when I was a kid as well. Um, so I, you know, like, the Kaplan's last first name is Dwayne and stuff. Like I know, I, I know a lot about the side characters, and it's weirdly in he my memory. He would be a Dwayne. <laughs> he he was a great character. I love him. Uh, and and I think they had some moments that were really good. And apparently, I heard that uh, possibly Paul Dios Anderson already kind of had this script, and basically, if he didn't get the rights to Resident Evil, he was just going to make his zombie movie with the same plot. 
that makes sense yeah like so i can see it but and i thought extinction not extinction sorry apocalypse was okay i didn't you know mm-hmm. I, I for me the biggest thing was when they started making alice in like in one alice is a normal human being and it's pretty good and by in two she's a normal human being with some weird kind of moments and you're like what the fuck's going on and you kind of get that wesker vibe where she's infected a little bit and something's going on with her and i think like in the nemesis arc i thought it was cool and there were some scary moments like that scene where the uh reporter gets mauled in the in the fucking uh school by all the children zombies insane like mm-hmm. holy fuck uh yeah it's definitely i mean like and the laser scene too in the first movie obviously very impactful very influential to the point where resident evil 4 kind of played homage to it as well so yeah and, and jill was in resident evil too so like you know yeah. my, my, mm-hmm. my childhood was fulfilled uh but like <laughs> I, I think after that it just like i think like after that i feel like they and i think this happens honestly with a lot of resident evil lore i think once you leave raccoon city it just kind of goes weird places honestly yeah let's let's kind of nip that in the bud right now like we can both we're both in agreement that the the plot line is a fucking mess oh fuck yeah like it's entertaining but oh my god it's an absolute mess it was like it all like especially in the more recent games and like so that for that reason i don't really blame the series for going off the wall it's just that like it really went action movie watch me jovich do in like a really slow and weird wire motion it just became an action series and i think after, yeah, after Apocalypse, like I would, I would still, I'll still stand by one in Apocalypse, or not sorry, not Apocalypse, yeah, Apocalypse, Apocalypse, as being Apocalypse is pretty good, one, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and Extinction. Partly they killed Carlos, they killed Odid Fair playing Carlos, and Odid Fair was the mm-hmm. Magi from uh, the Mummy, so I'm like, you fucking assholes, don't kill him. Uh, <laughs> but like, then it just gets dumb and over the top. But like, I think the first two are still actually really solid movies, um, and I think it's a lesson in kind of like just like Transformers of like just kind of making movies to make movies. Because, uh, like, the the the, um, the amount of retconning and, like, like you think the games are fucked up in terms of their continuity? The movies are even worse. Uh, the movies literally change things and just drop random fucking shit between, like, movies. <laughs> like, there'll be a cutscene at the end that shows something and you'll cut to the next movie, which is supposed to be that same scene. It's different. And, you're, and like, it's so, <laughs> like, they build, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spoil the last movie for you guys, but they build Wesker up to the, you know, the, you know build, Wesker comes back, he's the villain. But then, he, big bad. but then he's not the big bad. He gets taken out by a fucking door. A fucking door falls on him and like kills him, essentially. That's how Wesker gets taken out. And let's see. And how does it happen in the games? All right, a, a rocket to the face from a, in the middle of a volcano after a boulder gets punched. I, right? Yeah, yeah, like, makes sense. I, I, would, I would have loved to have seen that. Like, the, the oh my God, that movie's so bad. And like, they don't even okay. they don't explore so, the hunters. They don't explore any of, like, they literally just focus on tyrants and liquors. Um, mm-hmm. Something that Resident Evil movies seem to love for liquors. But anyway. Yeah. I think, I, you know, just kind of listening to the conversation right now, I think one of the reasons why I love the Resident Evil games so much is very similar to the other long-running game series that I love, Final Fantasy, is because it constantly, it, it's not afraid to reinvent itself. It's not afraid to change things up and try something new. You know, the first... Uh, Four games, technically, if you count Code Veronica, were straight on survival horror. Well, five if you count Resident Evil Zero as well. Mm. Um, Code Veronica definitely got a little bit more actiony at the end, right there. And personally, I think it's one of the weaker entries in the series. But we can fight about that later. How about you? <laughs> uh, but you know, four obviously one of the greatest games of all time, but a huge departure from the first three. <clears throat> and by six, uh, rolling around, it was kind of pewtering out. <clears throat> And then they switched on over to 7, which I fucking love 7. I thought that was such a breath of fresh air for the series. Um, I loved the kind of standalone plots they had with the little Christies at the very end. And I did enjoy Village as well. The plot was definitely stupid, but <clears throat> honestly, it was like really, really entertaining as well. One second, I'm going to take a sip of water right here. How dare you? 
But I agree. I I, I, I enjoyed seven a lot, and yeah, I thought eight eight just felt weird to me. Um, I'm excited for the DLC, but yeah, it just felt eight felt. I thought I figured eight out as some hallucination or something like that, or like something that the daughter was infected and something was going on. So I was waiting for that reveal, and it wasn't revealed. I was like, damn it! <laughs> now it's just a weird fairy yeah, the tale. Twist on that one, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil the twist mm-hmm. on eight. Uh, but it just the plot is so stupid, but at the same time, it's so entertaining. Ethan is so dumb, and it's so funny to watch him. Uh, but the gameplay was great. Mm-hmm. I, I loved the you know set pieces and everything like that. And it, it just it's a series with high production values that's not afraid to reinvent itself. Um, and I just I, I really I really love the series. I do. My my biggest complaint with the series is they still have not brought back Carlos. Car- bring Carlos back. <laughs> Carlos is the best character. Even in the I know people show over the remake of Resident Evil Three. I love it. I love Carlos. Bring Carlos back. Carlos will always be the best character. Yeah. Um, now, the Resident Evil 3 remake wasn't bad. It just felt like a DLC for a Resident Evil 2 remake. Yeah. No, and like, I, I understand that. Like, I, I, It was a short game. But like, I feel like mm-hmm. it wasn't that short. Like, it was short, but it wasn't that short. And Resident Evil 3 was already that for Like, the original Resident Evil, it was, it was very much like Resident Evil 3 in the past, where it was just, yes. here's Resident Evil 2 again, but like, here's Jill now. Um, uh-huh. So, I don't know. I, I was okay with it. I think the biggest thing for me, too, is Resident Evil 3, the original, was already really, really short. And then they still cut they, they, they cut the entire Clock Tower sequence from it. And I was just like, why would you cut that as well? And then they really gimped uh, Nemesis. I was really disappointed at that, especially since they hit it out of the park with Mr. X in the first one. That's true. Well, the Resident Evil remake. So, so I was just like, ah, really? I do like some of the story elements they took. I thought they made um, Nikolai a, bit, a better like villain. Um, I thought they I th- yes. thought they made a lot of the characters better than they were in the original. Yes. Um, and I really like. Immediately, Nikolai wasn't like as like like I, they made him more of an understandable villain to agree. And I thought his death was so much better. <laughs> like oh, God, he just yes, fucking that's... leaves him there. I'm like, oh shit! Like, uh-huh. damn, Nikolai, you don't get like fucked by Nemesis randomly. You just get like <laughs> left. And that I thought that was great. Uh-huh. Um, so I, I really liked what they did with Jill. And also, again, I thought they, they did a good job with Jill's character. Um, yeah. I wish I could say the same about this film. But um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so going with that, we're, we're talking about the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes. Um, I think this is a good time, 20 minutes into the episode, they actually segue into it. Uh, Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. So this is the 2021 Resident Evil film. It is a standalone film, completely separate from all the previous... Um, uh, Resident Evil movies. The story mostly covers the plots of two and three, as well as or actually a big element of one as well. So it kind of tries to mismatch the first three games altogether. And then there's even a few Easter eggs for Code Veronica and four as well. So it's just, yeah. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts about what? Resident Evil? Welcome to Raccoon City. I was going to say, uh, I keep hearing that it has elements of three, but what? Just because it takes, is it just because it takes place in Raccoon City? Because nothing from this has to do with three, in my opinion. But I keep hearing hear, hearing and seeing things saying it has to do with three, and I'm like, but like I guess because Raccoon City explodes, but that that's all that happens in two, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. It also uh, no no Raccoon City exploded in three. But doesn't it? I in mean, two? technically, I think they make reference to it in two. Well, but I'm pretty sure it actually like because two and three take place concurrently, don't they? Uh, yes. So the first half of Resident Evil 3 takes place before Resident Evil 2. What was it? Shit, I can't remember now. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's... I, I, I know it's like half, like one point... I, th- I, I thought, like, half of it takes place before Resident Evil 2, and then the other half takes place after Resident Evil 2. And the skip is when Jill gets knocked out in the clock tower. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, 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 yeah, that's... 
I don't know. I, I, I feel like that was, I kept saying the people's against one, two, and three. I'm like, bullshit. Bullshit three. Because uh, <laughs> without Jill or Carlos, what, what from it is really, without any of the characters from three, what part of it is three other than the yeah. explosion? No, I'm pretty sure the bomb going off, that's at the end, at the end of three, because that's the whole Jill escape sequence. Though, I can't remember, was, was it a, was it, because in, in three, it was a it nuke. It was a nuke, It was right? a nuke, right? Was it a nuke yeah. in this movie? Yeah. Was it? Okay. Uh, there was no nuke. It was just kind of. It just blew up. Miscellaneous explosion. Okay, great. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, cows. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So I don't know. Go. So I was hopeful for this movie. I, 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 I you know, I, I've seen all the other previous movies. I was, I was, I, I fucking saw the last one on IMAX because one of my friends' girlfriends wanted to go see it, and I was like, okay, let's go for it. And the rage that I had for that movie <laughs> um, was was strong. Um, it not just not because not as a Resident Evil fan, like not not because the games. I'd accepted that they would not follow the games, but because it can't follow its own fucking continuity, and it was just so poorly written. Um, and then. So I was excited for this. I'm excited for a new take. And um, Johannes Roberts, who um, or Johannes, I think his name, uh, he was, he kept talking about how big of a fan he was of the series. And I don't know if people complained about the um, the costumes looking like cosplay, which I was like, everyone fucking says that about every movie they see a picture of. They're like, oh man, mm-hmm. uh, Cowboy Bebop looks yeah, like cosplay. I think there's just especially with video game movies. I think there's definitely some sort of like uncanny valley element in terms of you see characters wearing costumes from a video game or like an anime or something like that it, it, it always looks like cosplay like i thought it looks fine and i didn't think anybody looked out of place yeah i i well uh, the costumes looked fine i'll leave it at that oh okay well yeah, okay yeah yeah fair, fair enough um so I, I was hopeful for it i was really hoping it would be good and i heard a lot of complaints about it and like that trailer the uh what's going on trailer i fucking loved i was so people were complaining about the cg and shit and i was like fuck you guys the song's amazing. This looks great, and I feel like I was Suicide Squatted, like the first one, where I'm just where it's. I want to be ho- I want to be hopeful because again, like I think the director had good ideas, but he's all he's he's the writer and the director, and the only fucking movies he made before this were those stupid fucking Twenty Eight Meters Down or whatever, like the the Shark Attack in a Cage movies. So like I shouldn't have been that hopeful for pacing and character writing, um, uh, and I think that's I think that's where this movie falls. Like for me. I was excited to see it. I don't regret seeing it. I don't absolutely hate it, but it, it's just such a lost opportunity. I I would rather see it, admittedly, than probably a lot of the later Resident Evil, Paul W.S. Anderson movies. Um, but it, it wasn't what I wanted. But I do appreciate what he was trying to do. And I think the nods that are there, while sometimes egregious and distracting, were kind of nice to see. I don't know. How about you? I think that final statement was probably the number one praise I could give this movie, but at the same time, too, I uh, the entire time when watching this movie, I kept getting flashbacks to Doom Annihilation, what we did before, uh, way, way, way back in like, one of like season one or season two of this podcast. But basically, it's... It feels low budget, even though it's not. The script is just nothing but kind of ready player ones. Hey, remember this character? Hey, remember this reference? Hey, remember this? Remember that? And like, they don't do anything in terms of creating an interesting story around it. It it, it feels like a greatest hits of the first few Resident Evil games, but they don't do anything with it. it. It's like, okay, I'd rather be playing the games instead of watching this. Um... And really the only nice thing about it is there are quite a lot of nods to the games and that sort of thing too. But at the same time, it's just, it, it, it it's not a good movie, in my opinion. Well, and I will say in regards to budget, this is, I think, probably the lowest budget Resident Evil movie. Uh, the first one had $33 million, and this one has $25 million. 
so this actually, this was not very high. This movie did not get a good budget. I think, I want, I'm wondering parts possibly they made it because they, you know, rights and whatnot, and they wanted to keep it. It was one of those situations. Because, uh, yeah, it, it, its budget was not great. <laughs> it, has, it had a very low budget. Um, yeah, and then I think I definitely realized it, too. It was like an hour into the movie, and I was just thinking to myself, how many zombie attacks have I actually seen in this movie so far? And I was just like, I could count on one hand, you know, okay, I saw this one, I saw this one. Oh, my God, this is a Resident Evil zombie movie where there's barely any zombies in it. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, the, the zombies weren't... Like, the zombies, like, there wasn't really much of anything, really. Um, do, so I, a lot of people, were I think, were kind of pumped about the concept. Like, I've heard a lot of people in the community being like, you know, I love the idea that they did one and two because there's not enough in one to make a movie, which I mm. I don't agree with at all. I think you can fly like it, it's weird that people say that because I'm like, well, yeah, but like I, I understand where you're coming from in the sense if you start the movie off with them in the mansion, but you build characters and they go to the mansion and then that happens like the first half an hour of the movie shouldn't be at the mansion. The first half an hour of the movie should be them building up these characters and then going into the mansion and thus the first movie takes place. And like, do you think that it was a good idea to combine the two of them? Do you like that idea? I, I definitely think two and th- not so much two and three combined. Um, I think two is much stronger as a standalone movie because you have a lot more creative characters in two, in my opinion. Um, one would be stretched thin, I feel, even if he did a remake of the, you know, live action opening scene from the director's cut version of Resident Evil 1. No, don't go! Um, with the, the terrible acting and all. Uh, it would still be pretty stretched out. Because think about it this way. You you have the mansion segments, then you have the, you know, the laboratory segments, you have the backyard. Well, like, I, I think what they should do is kind of, kind of what they started doing here, but, like, not in the stupid way they did it. But, like, you know, have it start with them, you know, just a day in the life of stars. Like, have, have the stars uh, squad, you know, start opening up with them doing something in Raccoon City, you know, busting some people for whatever they do. Because, you know, they're the special tactics from Rexy Squad. Let's see them doing something not zombie-related. And then mm-hmm. they get the call to go to Arclay Mansion because there's been an attack in the woods. They send Bravo Team out there. Bravo Team gets fucked. Then Alpha Team goes out. And that's when we get our movie. Like, I feel like that's the way to do it. You build up your characters by showing them being competent people in their normal jobs. And they go to a situation where shit's fucked. And then you see them react. Like, I feel like that would be a good, you know, like, they may not even have to get to the mansion until a like half an hour, 45 minutes into the movie, and then that's when shit goes yeah. down. And that's how you stretch it out and, like, make it good, because you build these characters so we care about them, so that then when a character, like, um, I can't remember, Forrest, I think his name is, the guy uh, the guy who gets, like, attacked by the birds, gets fucked, and you're like, oh, shit, I feel bad for you. While in this in this movie, like, we didn't get time with any of the characters, really, up until, until they go into their situation. Um, mm-hmm. And they're just all so unlikable in this movie. They really are. Like, everyone sucks here. It's it's really bad. And then going back to year two, too, if, you know, we include, like, the Lisa Trevor subplots and everything like that, yeah, I guess we could stretch it out a little bit, but uh, it's, there's going to be a lot of, like, wandering around the mansion trying to figure out, you know, where to go next, that sort of thing, um, in terms of, uh, in terms of plots, the first Rose label is pretty light, and it kind of runs the risk of being monotonous, but I can see, you know, some good set pieces and that sort of thing. Well, what they could have done, too, which I'm surprised they didn't do, is why not make it a Resident Evil Zero and Resident Evil uh one combo like take take out the billy mm-hmm. thing don't have billy in the in the transforming leeches don't have that but have rebecca Cham- rebecca chambers and bravo team go there like what i think would be really cool actually is to have them send have it start with them in the mansion and stuff and break in and then have chris at one point find rebecca and then tell the stories concurrently of how her how bravo King got destroyed and how she ended up in the closet 
where he finds her essentially mm. and then have them going on so you see the backtrack of everything going shit to shit while they're navigating it so you learn the history as they're going through it I, I yeah, think that'd the be really only counterpoint cool I can think to that is Resident Evil Zero E is one of the less received Resident Evil games. It doesn't have too many dedicated fans, but yeah, I could say that works. Yeah, well, right, so yeah, just throw Rebecca uh-huh. in there if they, if they want to have a, if they want to throw a Claire in there for Rebecca. Rebecca is a great character yes. who like isn't she very is. commonly explored. I feel like, um, so I feel like she'd be a good one to have. Like, she's not people don't know her very well, and she's like kind of you know she she could be our audience standpoint. Who's a because she's the rookie member, right? That's the Leon they want, right? She's the rookie member of the team. Ooh, she's yes. a medic, mm-hmm. so she's not going to be the gun wielding badass, but she can mm-hmm. still be there. You know, like that. That seems and like again, she can be found by them, uh, which you know, because originally she's part of the Bravo team that gets like destroyed by the crows and the zombies and the Cerberus when they first get there. So like, have that be our our audience viewpoint and have her be our character. Mm-hmm. It just felt like it felt like to me like what they wanted to do. They basically did what the Resident Evil live action original series did where this kind of threw characters in there because people knew them and i think part of this i think the unfortunate part of this was that i think resident evil 2 the remake got so much popularity that i think that was probably their selling point on remaking the series was like resident Evil 2 was huge the remake was great let's let's make this a claire and leon movie mm-hmm. and i guess claire in this case movie uh and <laughs> yeah and i think at that point this would be a good idea to kind of talk about exactly what the plot of this movie is because mm. we, we've kind of made brief mentions in terms of oh it's a combination of one and two briefly three that sort of thing too but andrew like what exactly is this movie covering in terms total so all right so i'd say that the plot the plot of this movie is uh claire redfield is, returns back to raccoon city which is basically flint michigan with zombies uh because uh basically it is uh raccoon city in this universe is kind of a ho-bunk town uh with a, with if you look at the map or the picture of the city the fucking rpg there's a giant police station and every other thing is a small little house and basically she returns home because she heard conspiracy theories that uh umbrella corporation the corporation that is based in this town is spilling toxic chemicals into their water uh and uh it follows her as she tries to connect with her brother chris redfield who is a cop at the raccoon city police department who is sent to explore the a mansion that is being overrun? I, I can't even explain how this what the, what the plot of this movie is because it's so dumb because there's so many characters. I don't. Yes, and then the other thing too that we kind of missed off is something that is not taken from the games. Well, kind of taken from the games in the sense that there's an orphanage in the games and that sort of thing too. But um, it's retconned or kind of established in this game that Claire and Chris are members raised in an orphanage by William Birkin, the mad scientist of the series who experiments on the zombies and he kind of is the one that's causing the whole outbreak and everything like that. In addition to that, there's another child in the orphanage, Lisa Trevor, who was one of the additions to the Resident Evil 1 remake, uh, who was highly, highly praised for being creepy as fuck and a great backstory and everything like that. So yeah, they took some liberties with the story that I really didn't think landed. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, like, I, I think I think Chris, were Chris and uh, Claire orphans? I can't remember if they were orphans in the end. Yes. They were, okay, I thought so. Yes, mm-hmm. But yeah, there was no connection. With, oh wait, no, you know, no, in the game, I don't remember. I don't think they never established that. I thought for some reason I thought they might be, but I can't. And that might okay. be why they're separated, uh, in in the in the games and stuff. I can't remember if that was it was an element or not. But yeah, they they were never related to Umbrella though, and that was that was weird. No, um, and William Birkin was wasn't weird. like master of Umbrella, like they kind of make him in this. He wasn't some like lead mm-hmm. scientist. He was just a scientist. 
Uh, yeah, that was always Wesker. So, mm-hmm. oh no, Wesker was well li- later. Yeah, I, th- I think Wesker worked for. I think they they called him the connections like that in the later games. But he was he was an, he was in opposition to Umbrella. Um, I think yeah, he he wasn't like really Umbrella. He was like a anti. He was like trying to steal Umbrella secrets, uh, kind of like in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but let, let's hop into the characters because like I think one one big uh, thing that a lot of this movie falls flat on, I think, are the characters. Um, I was good to say fucks up, but oh, yeah. that, that's fine too. Um, but, but, but before we do that, I do want to point out, um, apparently a lot of the actors, um, so some of the actors in this film um, are not the same race as the characters they play, uh, that they're based on in the games. And apparently a lot of them kind of got like shit for that uh, on social media. I believe Jill's actress and I believe Leon's actress probably got the brunt of it, the two people who aren't white. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they got a lot of shit for that. And I think that it was like, you know, just people being assholes uh you know people being entitled yeah. fans and just being complete pieces of shit um so i you know any any criticism we give to these people i'm not, I'm not going to say it's because they're bad actors necessarily or like i'm i'm completely fine with them race there, there are some and, bad actors in this characters. one but it's got nothing to do with their race yeah yeah and, and like but also i think it's also writing because i've seen like some of these actors i've seen be competent and i think that there are moments where you can show they're trying to be trying to do what they can uh but i like for admittedly, I feel like the unfortunate thing is that I do think that Jill and uh, Leon's characters were the ones that were honestly written the worst and were the most changed from their game counterparts in the sense of being like mm-hmm. they basically made Jill a gun nut, which is weird, and they made Leon completely incompetent uh, and an, oh and an idiot. Uh, and it was just they, that neither of them are those necessarily in the game. So it was it was a weird change, and I think that unfortunately that also led to them being hated by a lot of these very vocal fans of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, going along with that, I, I, I guess we can start talking about Leon because he is by far the biggest problem I had with this movie. They completely fucked up his character. So Leon in the original Resident Evil 2 is rookie cop. It's his very first day at RP, R, R, RCPD. Um, but he's competent. Like, you know, he's done his training. He was, I believe there was some sort of note that he was like near the top of his classes or something like that. Uh, you know, competent. He just doesn't have the experience and he gets thrust into this whole, you know, world where zombies are coming out and it's just like, oh shit. Um, but, you know, he's he's green, but he's he's definitely, you know, competent. And later on in the series, he becomes an absolute smarmy badass, which, you know, you have issue with, but we can talk about that later. Uh, but in this movie, yeah, he is the comic relief. He is constantly fucking up in some way. There's one scene where a truck literally explodes in front of the police station, but he's got his headphones on so he doesn't hear it. Um, he doesn't know how to use a shotgun as a police officer, stuff like that. And it, I think you and I talked about this. You said that there might be like a scene of redemption later on in the movie or something like that. And they're really isn't if i can as far as i remember um he's just he's a fuck up the entire movie no i agree no he he never gets redemption he never gets redemption he's Mm -hmm. and the thing about it is apparently the the director says that leon was his favorite character and you're like are you fucking kidding yeah like and it's weird because like you know like you mentioned like leon in the games like leon is innocent leon is a like like you said he's like a by the books like he graduated from the academy he was supposed to be like a a apt like he was a good like theoretical like he was like gorman and aliens he was somebody who had like a million hours of training but like you know was kind of green and was like idealistic he was the guy who wanted to do the right thing all the time so it was like the play of ada who was like you know the espionage and he like wasn't up to date with that he like kept trying to do the right thing which somehow which would put him and ada in trouble and that was part of what's going on in the games so she was like 
you know, like she was like, I need to kill this guy because he's in my way. And Leon's like, no, no, let's save these people. It's like, you know, risk our lives. That was his thing in the games. He was idealistic. And I think, you know, again, in four, you kind of see him being changed from that. I don't like that he goes all super secret agent uh, emo, but like, you know, that's, that's different. But like, and I, and, and so like, I'm just wondering if the, if the director just completely misunderstood the character and was like, oh, he's naive. So he's an idiot, which like, aren't the same thing. Um, and like, yeah, like, like you said, like he never really gets a moment to shine. He's always an idiot. He fucks up everything. And I think what, in contrast to bring up another character, Claire, who in the games is also naive to, like, no, Claire is not naive, sorry. Claire is more realistic, but she's also untrained because she's not in the military or in the, mm-hmm. you know, the police. So on the contrast in her in this film, though, she knows how to use all the guns. She is a great shot. She saves everybody's ass. She's essentially our character point of view for most of this movie. And it kind of feels like they just wanted you to make her. Like she's the Alice stand I would suppose, if you know, to relate the two franchises. Uh, but it's, it's she, but she's not even a character. She just shows up, does the good thing and leaves essentially. Like, yeah, there's a little bit of conflict with her brother in terms of they're estranged and they're kind of like, <sighs> pissed off at, the, at each other for that because she left but they really don't do too much with it and it's and I'm, I'm wondering if that's because she's the big name actress to a degree she's the one who came from a successful franchise because so mm-hmm. um Kaya Scodelaro she comes from the Maze Runner series she plays the main girl in that series um so she I think is the biggest name really in this film in terms of being a successful franchise but it's it's weird because she she you know she could be our POV character which would be great but and and I think that's the intention she's the one who's you know uh, on the cover of the film in the set more in the center at the end of the movie she's kind of by herself when they're all walking down the app thing so you kind of get the idea she's the first character we meet so you get the impression that it's her story but they never really commit to that um, and she never develops really as a character I feel like we never get anything from her um, so it, it just felt like she was a nothing character. Like she felt like she was almost in the games, but just dialed back. Like it was like this, it almost feels like the defense is like, well, the games, they don't have a character. I was like, well, yeah, you, we give them one. Um, mm-hmm. What did you think about the addition of making Lisa Trevor, I don't know, her friend from being a child? Like that, because in, in the game, Lisa Trevor is an experiment. You meet locked in a cabin, uh, who's yes. a demented, like who is, it's a girl who basically was experimented on and murders people and wears their skin. Very tragic story. Yeah. And you find out the backstory later on, I think after you kill her and you're just like, Oh shit, this is, you, you realize that, you know, the zombies you've been mowing down used to be people basically is uh, kind of what they're going for with Lisa Trevor's story. And that was one of the aspects of the remake that was really, really praised at that moment. Um, but in this movie, Lisa is another child at the orphanage who befriends Claire um, late one night and remembers her, you know, decades later. I, it, it felt like pandering mm-hmm. in terms of this. It, it felt like the Ready Player One. Hey, remember Lisa Trevor? That's that. I do like the fact that, you know, it was an actual plot element that came back later on in the series or later on in the movie that solves a problem near the end. But there was just, there was... It got to a point where I felt it felt like it was too much. They were trying to cram too much references into one movie. Well, I feel like it made Lisa Trevor seem like a fucking dog, like something that she like <laughs> something that was lonely that she met as a child, but remembers when she comes back and it helps her out, and then it just fucking dies for her. Like Lisa Trevor's just fucking died. Like I think the thing to do here would have been because I thought that actually the opening of the movie I thought was pretty effective with Lisa like appearing and being kind of creepy. I'm like that's kind of fucked up. Okay, cool. Um, and she's wearing a fucking human skin on her head. Nobody, nobody's like, well, 
whose skin is that? Yeah. No one's asking those questions. Um, but like, I think the thing to do would have been to have Claire leave. And, you know, part of the issue with her and Chris is that she left. And Chris, like, fucking made his life. In the, she was like, this town's a piece of shit. I'm leaving. And he was like, yeah, this piece of shit. I'm going to stay here and try to, you know, make it better. That's kind of their conflict as characters. Um, and I honestly, I don't like Claire in this movie at all. Because she, really, like, there's actually a great scene between her and or Chris where she says something. And he's like, what the fuck's wrong with you? And he's like, well, why, why are you being such a dick? <laughs> like, I forget what it is, but it's, it's such a great line. Um, but I think the thing that would have been interesting here to kind of highlight that is have her leave. And what she does is she leaves Lisa behind. And then when she comes back, Lisa's fucking pissed. And Lisa is then a villain. Lisa is made a villain by Claire abandoning her. And that would be kind of a sign of the town. Claire abandons the town. She comes back to it. It's a fucking monster. You know, Lisa's a monster when she comes back because she did, she rejected her friendship, essentially. Uh I like that, and that yeah. could have been like a boss, but also a sad boss, like somebody that she kills or, you know, a monster that she puts down. And it's like a, a character moment for her, symbolizing maybe the relationship between her and her brother and her and the town. That, like, there was such an opportunity with Lisa, especially when they announced she didn't bring her in. And I was like, wow, that's a weird character to bring into this movie because it's kind of a, you know, like you said, a, back, a heavy backstory character. And the way that they set her up, I was really excited to see that character come back. And they really, like I said, they just made her kind of a dog. They made her a... Uh, you know something that appears helps her out and leaves like she's a completely you know she didn't need to exist she took out a liquor that's it but she didn't really add anything to the story she was a key to get from point a to point b for us um and i thought that was a a very big missed opportunity um and they i would have rather they gotten rid of her and developed one of the other characters with her screen time um i think that that's you know if, if the story is about claire i think part of the story should be about her relationship with her brother that's like to me that's the most el- that's the most easy and logical relationship to progress since none of the relationships are progressing in the series um and we don't really get that uh we get no progression for any of the characters really um so but what did you think about chris in the film like, like... so chris has always been kind of a complicated character for me in the resident evil series because he really doesn't have much of a personality um unlike leon who is kind of defined by his rookiness turned secret agent badass that sort of thing too give me a few words to describe chris in the games well i I think that's i think chris is just like the good like he's like the superman but human he's the he's the good guy you know the the good cop he's the competent yeah who always does the right thing he's the badass yeah like i think i think kind of like like, I think I never in the first game I never I didn't, I feel like the Resident Evil Five and stuff making him a badass I never really liked and I hate what they did with him Resident Evil, uh, and in the Village series I don't like like that I hate that that's him but like I always thought of him as kind of like, you know not the rookie cop but the, again the experienced cop who's dropped in the situation again is trying to do the best that he can, um, mm-hmm. but isn't jade isn't like naive like Leon like you know he's he's an experienced cop essentially that's that's like he's an experienced cop who gets dropped in a situation and like but he's not like an action hero and like at five always kind of irked me that he became an action hero i still like him but it make you know it makes sense that maybe somebody get, like i almost want to think that resident Evil five is his reaction to trauma like um, leon is to go dark his is to overwork out and shit because he never wants to be unprepared again yes become a badass yeah like yeah. like but it <laughs> gets full bro yeah i know i see him as a peacemaker though to a degree he's a badass but he has like a, a, a soft side he's like oh like <laughs> you know i don't know um <laughs> but i yeah i don't know but how do you think of him in the film yeah, he really. So what I was getting at is, I kind of feel the same way about him in the field in terms in the film, in terms of there really isn't much to work with with his character. He is again the strong, good, stoic badass. Um, 
I remember one of the scenes at the beginning of the movie where they're all kind of in the police department together giving each other shits. Um, and Chris kind of joins in on that. And I thought that doesn't seem like Chris at all. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I thought his portrayal wasn't as offensive as Leanne, but it still wasn't great either. How about you? Well, like, like you and I were talking about before, like, I recognize Robbie Amell from, um, he was in the Arrowverse. He played, uh, I can't fucking remember his name. He played, he's the, he's the brother of the main Arrow guy. Um, and he's in that movie, The Babysitter. Um, and he's in the show You, uh, or not You, sorry, Uploaded, uh, about the guy who dies and his consciousness gets uploaded into, like, a computer system. I think he's a pretty good actor. I think he's, like, kind of charming. And I think he does that. I think he is good in this movie in the sense that, like, he is Chris to me. Like, he is a character who's kind of flat, who is there. He does his job. He looks like he can do his job. Um, and I think he has some pretty interesting, like, not interesting moments, but, like, there is a scene, I forget, at one random point in the movie where he's just fucking shooting all these zombies and, like, trying his best to shoot them all and runs out of ammo and, like, is just wrestling with zombies. I'm like, yeah, that feels like the game. Like, we ran out of ammo and you're like, fuck, fuck, and you try to push it off. And, like, it felt appropriate to me. I wish he had somebody else to play off of because basically all we really get from him is that he has a crush on Jill. Um, yeah, which I really had a problem with. I, there, as far as I'm aware, there really isn't any semblance of them having any sort of romantic relationship. Whoa. I think the closest thing we get is five. Yeah. But I, I in five even, it feels like they're just two professionals who share that professional bond and they care about each other in that way. I don't think I ever got any romantic inkling. I, I always took it as kind of like at least a surrogate brother-sister kind of thing. Which again, yes, would have, that's kind of what I got. Wouldn't to. a great thing to show off in this movie where his sister who abandoned him comes back and he like maybe has the sister relationship with this other person and like that could have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, like, I, it's weird because again, I think that they just wrote Claire poorly in this to the point that like I, the scenes where he's interacting with other people, I like Chris. Like the scene where him where Claire comes into his house, um, and. She's just, like, being her, like, badass. Oh, the world, you know, you don't understand. You're part of the conspiracy, da 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 And he's like, yo, I've been trying to, like, make my life here. Like, I don't know what's going on. And, like, he's like, you broke into my house. What the fuck? You could have just knocked. You could have called me. Like, come on. Like, I, I like that character who is somebody who is just trying to, like, you know, again, like, it's how I see him in the games. A, a cop who's, like, a guy who's just trying to do his job, essentially. Um, and for those reasons, like, I really kind of enjoyed him. But I think the movie doesn't use him well. And he just... Uh, and, the, and there, again, there's that scene with him and Birkin where he's like, you were like a father to me. And Birkin's like, you were just a fucking experiment to me. I'm like, wow, that fucking sucks. Because when we meet Chris, the first thing he says is like, Umbrella raised me, Birkin raised me. And then later on in the movie, Birkin's just like, you were a fucking experiment to me, get fucked. Like, you suck. Mm-hmm. I just was just an experiment with you. I should have fucking thrown you in the thing when you were a child. And I was like, damn. Look at these mo- look at this character development that should be there. And it should be affecting this character. And it wasn't there. Um, so I guess I like him because... In the film, I like him because he's not as egregiously annoying as the other characters, but he's not a good character. He's <laughs> yeah. he's so flat that any, but all the other characters are so not flat that like he stands out by not being terrible. <laughs> mm-hmm. He is the best in a bad situation, I guess is the best we can say. Yeah, yeah the bad situation is this this movie. What did you think of uh, <laughs> Mr. Chief of Police himself, Brian Irons? Now, before we get into that, though, in Resident Evil 2, and I guess he made a few cameo appearances in 3 as well, if I remember correctly, uh, he was the corrupt chief of police for the Raccoon City Police Departments, and he was an absolute piece of shit. I think that they implied that, like, he hunted people for sport at one point, or he was a big hunter, but yeah, he was a corrupt police chief. What did you think of him in this movie? I was okay with him, honestly. 
Like I thought he was hammering it up oh, way too no. much, especially in that one scene at the very yes. end where they're just shitting on Leon in the uh, police department. I'm just like, oh like, my god. I, I like that he wasn't just an asshole, but yeah, no, but I agree. No, his that I feel like that guy was at a fucking stand-up routine. Like I feel like he was he was like I, I think I even wrote down some of what he wrote, uh, some of what he said at some point. But yeah, he he was just an ass, and he was just like randomly being like. I can't remember what he said. He, he, yeah, he was, he was just a dick. Um, but I like him in the yes. sense that he wasn't, I, I thought in Resident Evil 2, didn't he kidnap some girl because like, I can't remember if it was like, I remember thinking of the mayor, somebody who like kidnaps a girl because it reminds him of his daughter or something like that. Or like, I thought there was some weird pedophilic yeah. thing going on in the, in the second game, which I'm glad was not included. And then you played the whole segment in the remake where you're Sherry and he's chasing you too. So yeah, that, that gave me creeper yeah. vibes. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't do that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. In the games, he's never gave me like overt asshole vibes. It was just like, Oh, this guy's fucking sick and i really don't want to be in the same room with him it just creeps me out vibes yeah that's what i got and then this one is just like he's an outwardly asshole so and just just fucking mean again just 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 yeah. just mean again to leon like not not like i feel like what they did with this movie um and part of what i liked about apocalypse was that resident evil not resident sorry raccoon city seemed like a a competent town which gets fucked and you're just and it's kind of you see that loss that occurs within the city and this one took the approach that the city was already run down and already poisoned and already on its last legs. And Irons is just a reflection of that. Um, and it's just it's just not the aesthetic or the story that I really think of when I think of the series. And I don't think it's as impressive to see the downfall when you walk into it when it's already fucking like, you know, leaning. You know, it's not it's not as impressive or impactful to see, uh, you know, something explode when it already looks like a piece of shit, you know? Like, you're mm-hmm. not, not, you're not, nothing's lost. And like... If Irons was a competent chief who then was, you know, went off the edge, I think that would be more interesting. But he's played, like you said, like an asshole who's just an asshole. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That I not much for him. Um, but what about what about Jill? I know we talked about Jill briefly. Thoughts, opinions. Yeah, so Jill in the games is kind of a counterpoint to Chris, and again, she didn't really have much personality in the first game either. Um, but she is, again, another very competent member of STARS, absolute badass, and she kind of becomes like this very cardio-focused, flips around and shit later on in the games, uh, badass as well. In this game, she becomes a gun nut, which I felt was a little bit more out of character for her. Like, I mean, she is the master of unlocking, but it's... The master of the lock. Yeah, I... I... <laughs> yes the master of lockpicks i there was a line too at the very beginning i think i messaged you at one point someone said like hey i'm gonna make a sandwich you want one jill or something like that oh no and i'm just like oh god no she steals wesker's sandwich and goes this is jill's sandwich uh oh yeah which oh, that was which, was, it, that was which was a play on barry uh when she almost gets crushed <laughs> you're no, you're almost a jill sandwich which where the fuck was Barry? I'm, I, do, I nobody talks about Barry. Yeah. Barry is one of my favorite characters, and part of that's from from honestly reading the novels because they they expand Barry as a character. Barry is such a good character, and I I miss Barry. Barry should have been in this movie. Um, and for those who aren't aware, Barry's basically a senior member of Stars. He's not like an old, you know, he's he's one of the older guys, and he basically gets manipulated by Wesker in the first game. He's a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. He's a good guy. And, like, they almost kind of replaced him with Irons because Barry... He's the dad of the yeah. group. That's what I like about him. He's so good. And in the fucking Resident Evil movie, they brought him in. I forget. They, they got that porn star actor. He looks like a porn star to me. They brought him in one of the movies, and he's there for, like, five minutes. They bring out his classic Colt Python, which is his, his weapon of choice, and he shoots some guy in it, and then he gets shot and dies. And I was 
want to fucking murder Paul Davis Anderson because he, <laughs> the best character they bring in for like a gimmick, he's like part of the Leon badass crew that shows up, and they're like, "Well, Leon's here, and they need to kill somebody, so they're gonna off Barry." Uh, best character, biggest opportunity lost in this game, movie to not have him be in it. Um, but yeah, uh, are we on again? Oh yeah, Jill. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I love Barry. Okay, anyway, yeah, no, I yeah, she. I, I thought the weapons we in that thing it. was dumb as fuck because uh, it, it it just it made her character just seem like. They they made her just a caricature. Like we need who's the bat who's the baddest of the gun? It's chill, I guess. But everybody else is good with their guns too. She just they we just call her a gun nut because we want to. Mm-hmm. Um because wouldn't the gun nut be the one with the fucking rocket launcher at the end? Wouldn't the gun nut be the one who's like going insane and shooting all people? Wouldn't that be her? But Yeah. Nope. And like again, the the, the S D Perry novels, um like you know, you know, the match of the lock pick. She fucking took that shit and ran with it. She gave Jill a backstory about having a father who was a criminal who was, like, arrested for breaking into things. That's how she got involved in crime. And that's how she got involved in police enforcement. That's how she's a good... That's why she becomes, quote-unquote, the master of the lockpick. And, like, they developed this character. And, like, I know that it's not in the games, but that's the character I have of Jill in my mind is these ones from the book who is so well-developed. And then, you know, she kind of gets in the um, Resident Evil... What's the one where she's on the ship? Uh, oh, uh, Resident Evil Re- Revelations. Yeah, Revelations. You see her more character in that, and then like, the whole thing mm-hmm. with her and Chris, and like she getting kidnapped by Wesker. Like this character's gone through through so much and been developed from that character we get in Resident Evil One. But it feels like the director was maybe just like Resident Evil One. She wasn't much of a character, so let me make it up. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that again, I think that's why this actress is getting a lot of flack. Um, and I hope it like. I think, again, to me, she, her and Leon were the primary targets of this hate that came out of this, and that's unfortunate. But I just I think that her character was very poorly written. I don't blame that on the actress at all. Um, mm. Though, I, mean, like, I don't know if she's the best actress. <laughs> um, but how do you feel about her beau in this movie? Or, you know, her love interest uh, <laughs> out of left field there. Uh, what do you think about uh, Albert Wesker? Yeah. Yeah, that was another thing, too. Um, didn't that like that? Did not like that. Well, think about it this way. Like, is, is there any sort of romance in any of the Resident Evil games besides Ethan and Mia and Leon and Huntington and Resident Evil 4? Oh, God, I forgot about and then, of course, the And, of course, the one-sided crush for Ashley and Leon, too. I mean, you know, I, yes. I feel like there is a moment between Steve and Claire and Claude Veronica. Um, yeah. And, I don't know, again, I think... Who knows? Maybe Chris and Pierce from Resident Evil Six. I, I could maybe see a little bit uh, that that was you know he took it really hard when Pierce died. Um, but uh, I don't know. I again, I think the camaraderie. I, I I thought I think there could be a will there, won't they, with uh, Chris and um, Jill to a degree uh, if we expanded the you know the lore a little bit. And you know that they they. I I just I like the professional surrogates. In yeah. No. I got, uh, angle better person. Well, I, I think yeah. if they were going to do somebody, I wish they'd done them uh, because. I don't know. It, it was weird, and it was weird to make it such a big element that she likes him and that Chris likes her because they, they put that in there, but it was just kind of like, eh, I don't know. Like, Didn't do anything with it. And yeah. when, when, she, when Claire was like, oh, man, you're still after Jill? You'll never get her. And then that woman at the bar to Leon was like, oh, you think you like Jill? She only has eyes for big, muscly guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just, it was weird. Um that being said, actually, I do kind of like the idea of Wesker being one of them. I like the idea that Wesker mm. isn't some stoic, sunglass-wearing, slicked-back hair guy, like platinum blonde, slicked-back hair dude. I like that he is kind of a member of their team, 
Um, and I, I almost kind of would prefer this origin story for him for as somebody who's part of this squad but just wants more. Well, I mean, that was the original intention. He was part of, you know, the Star Squad in the first game, and everyone kind of looked up to him, and that made his betrayal all that more effective, because it was just like, oh, shit, if we can't trust Wesker, who can we trust? Well, Even though he was shady as shit the entire well, time. Well, I, I mean, more as, like, part of them, like, he's, like, he's like, their, he's like their, their buddy, they're playing around, they're drinking together, you know, like, that kind of part uh, of the team. Ah, yeah. Like, yeah. instead of just being this, like, ace officer on the side who you know is going to turn bad, like... I liked it more that like he, like I, I, I like the element of Jill and Hound relationship in the sense that it made him part of the team and that they all kind of like to goof around together, um, and that he you know he like he is dialing Jill back like anytime like I I like I liked he was the one who was like yo Jill like that gun nut we wrote you as is kind of a bad character and so he was like calm down a little bit because you're poorly written I'm sorry but like you're being written really badly right now so you just stop <laughs> and like um, I, I I liked that element in that like. And it makes it better than when he leaves them. And I, and I, it's weird because that, but then they took the betrayal that Wesker has in the games of like, fuck everybody, you all can die, I don't give a shit about you. That was Jill's reaction to him being like, I'm going to go explore what's going on in Umbrella. And she's like, you betraying me? And he's like, I didn't try to kill you or anything. I was just going to, I'm just going to, going to go check this thing out. Like, they, but they made Jill reacted as if it was the same wesker from the games where he was literally just like hey um this company said that if i go find out what's going on with umbrella they'll give me a lot of money and i can get out of the shit town that we all agree is a shit town um i'm gonna go do that and she's like you fucking betrayer and he's like i, I didn't say like fuck you like, you come with me like I'm... and he even establishes that the umbrella's doing shit like he his his justification is that like umbrella's doing sketchy shit and they need to be exposed that's like what he says to her and i'm like do you not agree with that, Jill? Don't you agree that Umbrella needs to be exposed? Isn't that like mm-hmm. going to be the hard line of all your characters in the preceding, you know, in the theoretical future movies that Umbrella is a piece of shit? Like, it's just weird that they gave him, they made him, they made us seem like he was going to be the same Wesker, uh, or he was be he was the same Wesker from the first game. When I feel like this character we get here is much, I I'd, I would actually say they they made his character a little bit more uh, personable than. Uh, like- he yeah, might likeable. Yeah, like I think grab a beer with him. Yeah, like I, th- I think he actually might be the one character that maybe I'm okay with in this a little bit. Um, and like I thought his confrontation with the Birkin family was interesting uh, to a degree, uh, where he like you know you could tell he kind of didn't want to shoot them. He was just like come just just give me give me give me the vaccine or give me the fucking pill give me the the the, the vials please please just give it to me. <laughs> he like, shot him, and he's like and then the mom he's like don't, he's like Annette Birkin like don't do it don't do it and he shot her. Um, I don't know. I felt like he was a sympathetic character to a degree, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, and it's really weird that he's that the stoic, emotionless character is the one who I kind of felt they may have done an okay job with. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, that was another kind of like surprise to me in this movie, just kind of looking through this. I'm like, okay, this is an interesting angle to take Wesker. Because Wesker has always been kind of the mustache twirling villain in the games um, I, I, behind the scenes and hasn't had too much development beyond that. I don't know. Maybe in the books it's different. No, it's, it's he's the same in the books. Yeah. <laughs> um, he, you know, he, has, he has fucking kids, though. I forget. he in, in six, he has Jake. And then I think he has two other kids in one of the other... Maybe maybe in the novels I can't remember. There he has like he has another couple other kids somewhere rolling around, um, in one of the other, in one of the other expanded universe things. Uh, it must have been in the books, yeah, because I don't remember that. Or actually, I, no, maybe I wonder if it's the series. It might be that new series that just came out. I can't remember. I was reading about it somewhere. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, he has no fucking character. He's just like he literally is just like 
weird accented like Chris. Rah, Chris is like I guess Chris is his ultimate nemesis, I suppose. Um, yes. Which I guess is kind of cool um, that he has a nemesis. I don't know, but yeah, I don't know. I was I was okay with it, and I would have liked to see him if they had done a better job with his uh, demise to a degree, to the point that then he had a ven- vendetta against the others or something. Though I suppose you know, much like uh, with my idea of Lisa Trevor being the the villain they have to take down because they fucked up with. I guess he could come back as a villain who's like, yeah, I don't fucking hate you, Jill, but like, I need to do my thing or my way. That reluctant kind of villain thing could come back later. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I, I thought he was one of the better characters uh, in terms of some of the changes they made, which is really unfortunate because he shouldn't be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, all right. Uh, so, like, what are some scenes in this movie, like, really stuck out to you in terms of, like, just made a big impression? The opening scene? Oh, sorry, not, uh, other than Lisa Trevor, uh, the fucking truck driver. Can yes. we talk about what piece, this fucking truck driver scene is so fucking dumb. <laughs> it's so badly, like, that, Lisa Trevor, if, if the Lisa Trevor scene gave me hope, that immediately shut it down, where he was just like. Okay, so we're, 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 we're talking about the truck driver who escorts Claire to Rackham yeah, City like, at the very Who Who is that actor? What the fuck is he doing? Like. Dude, like, I even wrote down his dialogue. So like, it starts off like, and it's it, well, I don't know what this writing is because it, it's the tell don't show thing where they're just like, mm-hmm. she's in a truck, truck driver's driving, and he's like, why do you want to go back to Raccoon City? Oh yeah, you said you used to live here. You said you're visiting your brother. You said like he's he's giving our exposition. <laughs> like he's it literally is like you used to live here when you your kid. You said visiting your brother. You said. Like, he's, he's real, relaying a conversation that she told him back to her? What the fuck is that? And then he hits that girl, and he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. What the fuck is she doing? This isn't my fault. What the fuck? Like, the dumbest fucking character. Like, it's okay having shitty people. Like, I think the point was they want him to not be a good person for when he dies, you know, later. But, like... But they leaned way too hard into Exactly. It. And, like, and it's that weird thing of that horror movies do that I think, you know, again, in the 70s or whatever, where, like, a lot of these horror movies where like the people who, who sinned were the ones who died you know I, I get it but like it's more impactful and it's more effective when the character is a nice person who gets fucked over and dies like why not have a good driver trying to be a good person hits the person freaks out is driving his dog bites him and like you know like why not have that be it instead of this fucking asshole who gets bit by a dog and then still fucking drives around like an asshole as he's turning like what the fuck <laughs> it's it was so oh god that that opening scene pissed me off and it lasted way too long. He shouldn't. It feels like it's like forever that that opening scene. I don't know. Uh, what what scene stood out to you? Uh, the truck driver scene <laughs> or another truck scene where the truck explodes in front of the police station. That was definitely that one that really stuck out to me in terms of just like the sheer amount of level they go through to make Leon incompetent. Um, so. Basically, Leon is demoted uh, by the police chief to just watch the front desk during this night. Uh, Truck literally barrels towards the front of the police station, falls over on its side, explodes, and because Leon's wearing his headphones, he doesn't even notice until the police chief comes and yells at him. Like, that was... I hated that scene. I hated what they did to Leon in this movie. And Uh, That stuck out to me. That weird fire walk when he, like... Like, you know, they do a lot. There's, you know, there's been a lot of... I can't tell if that was real. I'm assuming it was a real, a real fire walk or whatever you call it when the guy's on fire walking. That, but it, it, the guy so casually walks up to the desk at the Leon. It's not like a zombie shuffle. It's like he's just, like, cruising on in. Like, going to, like, fucking fill out some paperwork. I don't know. It looks so fucking dumb. <laughs> yes. 
so that was that. And then also to the aforementioned scene where they're in the uh, lockup, I guess, or the star's office. Um, and they're just shitting on Leon the whole time. Yeah, all of the scenes that kind of stick out to me were just like shitting on Leon, shitting on Leon, shitting on Leon. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't remember too much in the mansion, honestly. I, I do remember Wesker going to the piano and was just like, hey, I'm going to play something. And he plays Moonlight Sonata, which was how it gets unlocked in the games as well. But, uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think a lot of movies forgettable. Like, again, that, that, that thing with um, with Chris and the gun, I forgot that was, like, I, you know, I've watched this twice now because um, I watched it like a month ago or something like that. Uh, and actually, I had a better opinion of it back then. Um, I think it's because I just watched the New Matrix movie or something. And we just did the 1984 uh vhs movie uh but that that scene like i think that is like the one scene is chris shooting them like that's other than because i think from there you're right otherwise we just go to uh wesker and them going into the abyss of uh you know they're the helicopter crash scene i guess but otherwise yeah it's just they basically go into the mansion to get attacked by zombies and then immediately go into the basement or into the lab it's a very for such a big set piece uh in such a kind of a I don't know, a hallmark of the franchise. And, you know, the Spencer estate is a, you know, it's a very big thing in the franchise to have it just be there for maybe like, I want to say like seven minutes of screen time, probably. It's a bit sad. Mm-hmm. Were there any scenes that you really liked? Or had promise? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'm really trying to think on this front. Uh... Yeah, I've got the plot summary I pulled up right now. I really, not, too much honestly like i even going to the lab at the very end like the lab looked nothing like a lab it looked like a janitor's closet the whole time. oh yeah it was bad which i guess is admittedly uh, kind of like a lot of that rooms in the game yeah, that was screen accurate who knows <laughs> um <laughs> trying to think uh yeah i don't know how about you was there anything you actually liked i don't know i'm looking around uh we, we talked about wesker we talked about the character of that but in terms of that oh the, the fucking Ben in a zombie cell where he's oh, God. just like hey he, he he takes his sweet time as the zombies reanimating he knows the guys in there he makes a reference to it and he's just like slowly getting out there oh that was bad. Wait, and Ben was just a dumb character too like yes. it's like I was expecting like you know the Mister X to pop up or something like and it was just he gets bit by a zombie when he opens the door it was so predictable and so like pointless it was just another again it was another scene to show that leon's incompetent like there was because it was him not helping getting ben out quick enough then the zombie attacking him and uh clarion to save him again it was just and then he like unloads an entire clip into the zombie after that you're like so is that supposed to show him being a badass now like what i don't know (laughs) and there's so many scenes where where leon's like hey i bet you're wondering how i got a cop and she's like yeah i'm kind of wondering why you're a cop and he's like me too what the fuck (laughs) and there's the scene later on where he's like I bet you're surprised I'm alive, huh? And he's just like, yeah, Leon, we are, because you're a fucking idiot. That's why we're surprised you're alive. <laughs> Nobody cares about you, Leon. Like, I forgot you existed when you disappeared from the movie for 20 minutes, and I was so pleasantly surprised <laughs> that you were not in this movie for a while. Um, I, I, know, I will say, I thought the Birkin scenes... Um, I don't like when Birkin starts talking, uh, that Neil McDonough, or that actor's name is. Uh, you know, he's another B-movie actor. I think he was also in the Arrow series at one point. Um he's okay i don't like when he's talking as he's transforming but i will say i thought that the process like whatever uh process they used for the um like the stage two birkin monster was pretty cool when the eyes were all there i thought that's pretty cool i thought like the accuracy of some of these monsters the way that they looked and developed was pretty interesting um you know that that was all right uh 
I'm trying to think of anything else here that's actually important. I guess the only point... Hmm. Oh, okay. One scene I thought was cool. Everything surrounding it, dumb. The concept that I thought was interesting <laughs> was um, when the liquor was crawling on the ceiling and you could see the light shifting as he moved. That was cool. Mm-hmm. That's a cool visualization. That's a cool way to introduce a, a creature. Uh, ultimately fucked by the fact that he does, he licks up one person and then gets strangled to death by Lisa Trevor. <laughs> and there's not another liquor. And nobody's like, what the fuck was that? She does that. <laughs> they leave. Her and the liquor never talked about again. He's like, you have some pretty strange friends. Not like, why is she wearing a skin on her face? <laughs> or why didn't... Yeah, she's a punchline to a joke, basically. Why didn't she come with us? What was that weird creature? <laughs> Should we be worried about more of those things? Um, <laughs> and I guess th- this brings up the question, how did you feel about the zombies in this movie, Dan? Yeah, didn't like them. I felt they were just really boring and there weren't enough of them like i remember halfway through the movie i was just like has there been any like big big zombie attacks or anything like that and i was just thinking for a resident evil movie there's surprisingly a very few minor zombies what did you, th- about what did you think you? about them as like slowly transforming people who could kind of talk uh, yeah i was i'm never really a fan of that like i thought it's an interesting concept but it it didn't work. And I feel like there are a lot of scenes of them talking. Like there are so many scenes yeah. of, of filling the RPD gate and the zombie. Why is this happening to me? Help me. And it's just like dumb. Cause like, are they zo- like, what are like, are they zombies who are just kind of like there? Are they people like it, it straddles the line so much with their articulateness that I'm just kind of like, what's going on in their minds and like what are the directors doing? Uh, like, and, at one point, they all look really fishy. I forget. There's one guy they kill, and he looks like a fucking fish. I don't know. His screen's all translucent, and he's sweaty. <laughs> it's towards the end of the movie, and it's one of the zombies kind of bump into. I think it's I think it's actually supposed to be one of the officers who gets sent there earlier. Um, one of the stars members gets sent ahead of them from Bravo team, and it just it just looks bad. Um, and like they're not vicious. I I can't tell if it's because of like part of me wonders is if this was an intentional choice or was this them trying to do something different, but also budget restrictions of we can't show all this gore and stuff and these like crazy zombie effects. So by making them more human and talky and saying that they're not as transformed, we don't have to spend money on, on the zombie effects for them. Cause I think the only real weird zombie we get is the one that's ripped out of the, you know, the first, that cut scene from the first movie where he turns around. I think that's about it. Um, Cause otherwise we just get these like talking zombies, uh, which I, like, the, the weird scene with Claire in Chris's apartment and that little boy who's hiding underneath the thing. And she's like, do you need help? He's like, you need help. I'm like, is that is that kid half zombie? What is he doing? Why did he crawl under the, the, the table and turn around? What's going on? Like what, and the itchy, scratchy girl. Yeah, that was another reference that just really did not hit well. I mean, like, it, it's a classic. It's a note you find in the original resident evil game that kind of details a diary of getting the slow transformation process as someone is slowly transformation into a zombie and writing down his thoughts but in this movie it's just like it, it felt like in doom annihilation where they turned that corpse over and it was just like lieutenant blaskowitz and I'm like oh hey that's the wolfenstein guy it, it felt like a reference for the sake of a reference very ready player one yeah and i just i think i just need to say this doom annihilation was such a better movie than this <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it was so much more coherent and like interesting. Uh, oh god, that like that as much as that was like a made for TV or whatever you know, direct to, to Netflix or uh, probably direct to sci-fi yeah. Netflix movie. 
damn, I would, I would much rather watch that than watch this, um, which yeah. is a shame. It probably has half the budget. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, and uh, in terms of going back to the zombie thing, in terms of like still being kind of sentient and stuff, I don't know. The, the only zombie movie where I feel it, no, there's, there's two zombie movies where I feel like they do a good job of displaying that. One Day of the Dead with um, oh god, what's his name? Bub. Bub, uh, yeah. The smart. His name's Bub, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Bub, and then uh, Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah, with uh, well, like, and I think movies do it well. Like I liked because uh, in in the first movie we had Rain, uh, who was played by uh, crap, the girl from Fast and the Furious, uh, Michelle, yeah, Michelle Rodriguez, Rodriguez. Uh-huh. and she gets bit or pretty early on, and you see her, um transform but she dies like in in most of them it what you know the zombie virus is that you die and then you get reanimated um so and like i get this that's again i think this is supposed i think this was influenced by the flint the flint water uh issue and the idea that this water seeped into uh this you know this water was fucked and uh people were being affected by it i think that was what they were going for um and you know it slowly fucks up your body but it just it i don't think it landed and i think that it just wasn't scary. It was just annoying, especially when like we we saw scenes of them just again repeatedly at that gate. It felt like they filmed that gate scene just for some B footage, B roll, and they kept putting it in of them. Because mm-hmm. then we have them, but then we have the fucking Cer- Cerberus, uh, or you know, the, the, sorry, the dogs attacking, and you're just like, so what is their what is the dogs deal? Why isn't it slowly, you know, going around being a weirdo and like mumbling to it you know like why isn't it like what where's the dog stage of the progression we see it just kind of immediately that dog that licks up the food and kind of watches this owner bites him and then i guess once it bites him it's just content to watch him and bite him it's like I, I got you i'm gonna watch you be infected now <laughs> like weird ass uh scene there um but yeah it just, just didn't feel effective it wasn't scary and it wasn't like interesting um though actually speaking of which what did you think about the element that apparently uh, it's revealed that all of the stars members and the police members are vaccinated against the uh, T virus. Technically, that does have some basis in the games. The creators have stated in interviews the reason canonically why you know Jill or Chris or Leon can get bit by zombies and just shrug it off is because they have a natural immunity to the zombie virus. What? Um, and that's the reason why that is. It's kind of hand waved away. In the game, in the movie, yeah, it lands just about the same as it does in the games, to be honest. Um, except now in the movie, it doesn't have the excuse of, oh, well, gameplay supersedes. Yeah. Well, it's also just weird because he's like, that guy, like, again, that, that Ben character, he's basically there to do an expedition dump and be like, Umbrella, have you heard of the T virus, the G virus? I'm not going to explain what either of them are, what they do, or where they come from, but like, have you heard of them? No, you're probably vaccinated against <laughs> it. Uh, and it's just like, why, why even include that? Why not have the T-virus and the G-virus be discovered as part of the second movie or have William Birkin, the scientist working on it, talk about it? It's it's just like a random information dump that comes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, again, it's, it's like, it's the references and this guy who probably, again, seems to really like the games, but just not able to put them in a coherent story. Like, I just don't think he's a good writer. I think that's that's like that's the issue with this movie. I think he's just a bad writer, and I feel bad saying that because again, I think it, he wrote a script, awesome. He made a movie, great, good skills. I don't have those skills. You did a great thing, but I just don't. I think that a lot of the problems that come with this movie fall at the feet of somebody who is not a good writer um, and who is a fanboy, which is great, but just. You know, like it's 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 why fans. It felt like fan fiction to me. It felt like somebody's fan fiction film. Mm-hmm. 
And I think it's the best way to sum it up. It, it, it definitely, you can tell the writers definitely knew the Resident Evil series. They just didn't understand what made it work. Or at the very, very least, didn't understand that directly translating from the games to movie to a different medium is going to have to have some sort of caveats. Yeah. yeah. And, like, and I think that's unfortunate. I don't know. Any... Yeah, it really, really is. Because this, this was very disappointing. Could, could... Any uh, final thoughts on Resident Evil? Do you think there would be a sequel to this? Oh, God, no. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Wait. Taking a look at the box office, uh, looks like the budget was twenty five million. It made thirty eight million. It made at the a box profit. Office. For that. Well, generally, in terms of Hollywood accounting and all of that, you need to make double your budget um, in order to turn a profit, or at the very least, kind of greenlight a sequel. And then with the fact that sequels always have diminishing returns, I, I no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think I, so. It's kind of unfortunate. Like, I feel like this is one of those things where I just wish they would have done it right because, like. I don't want to have... Because they're not going to reboot it immediately, right? They're going to have to wait to reboot it. And it, it sucks. And now as fans to see a uh, truthful adaptation done again, it's you know it's going to take forever. It's it's, mm. it's unfortunate. I, I, again, I'm hoping that this is just a rights thing and they have something in the works later. Um, could you see this being brought back as a TV series? I think it would work better as a TV series. I also think, I'm sure there's going to be like 50 more CGI movies that come out since then. And to be honest, I think the games are in a really good place right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm not too concerned about the future of this franchise. I know it's going to keep on trucking along. Mm. But in terms of the movies, I just, the entire time watching this movie, I was just like, I'm going to play Resident Evil 2 Remake again. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, 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 I hope that they will get HBO or someone will get the rights to this. Because I think you could make a pretty good tv series a, a game a season um and you know may, maybe do two and three together for a season and have jill's continued plot line because that way you're continuing something from the first game i could see that being great um you know maybe you have her you know appear as like you know a stinger at the end of one of the episodes and then continue her story kind of i guess like what they do with the mandalorian i haven't seen the new season but apparently mando appears in a uh, boba fett um you know do something like that mm-hmm. yeah uh i i don't know i i I wish that there was. I wish that this was good enough for a sequel. And I think I told you that I, I was going to go in this with the mindset of going to be. I'm going to like it. I'm going to go and I'm going to like it. I'm going to be happy for it because it's a movie and they have references. And I wanna, don't want to be a negative. Um, <laughs> and I think honestly, watching it the second time is what killed me. I think the first time I could just I could pretend to justify to myself a bit that it was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you were like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme where you point at the screen and be like, I got that reference about itchy tasty. Exactly. Or you know, I. I I hope, you know, I, I think that's one of the movies that I really wanted to like. And, I, and you know, the, the director was obviously a fan and he was trying to do something that he liked. And it was just, and watching the second time was just like a very defeating feeling to be like, this movie is fucking shit. Because <laughs> I think had, we, had you and I done this episode after I watched it the first time, I would have had a very different opinion. Uh, not very different, but I would have tried to defend it more. Um, so I th- it's, it's just kind of disappointing how uh, uh, unfortunate this film is. <laughs> um but yeah, you know, I'm glad it's over. I almost want to, you know, the one thing I'll, I'll give this movie um, is it really kind of makes me look fondly at the first two uh, Resident Evil movies. <laughs> it really kind of makes me be like, well, they tried something different and it was definitely better than this. <laughs> um, so, you know, good, good on Paul Lewis Anderson and Milia Jovovich. Good job on you for the first two Resident Evil movies. Um, and if you have not, actually, go back and watch them with commentary because Part of what I really like about the originals, and I, I've talked to Dan about wanting to buy this movie on Blu-ray, 
uh, just because I wanted to see if there's a commentary. Because the the commentary for the first two Resident Evil movies is great. They, you can tell they're having such a like a ball making those movies, and they really enjoyed what they were doing. They're just fucking like making fun of each other the entire time uh, while they're watching their movie because it's it's like it's all the main actors essentially making fun of themselves as as they go in the movie, and it's great. So watch the originals uh, with commentary. It's such a great time, and I'm hoping that there's something like this. I'm hoping that if I get to watch the behind the scenes and I get to watch. Um, the commentary i'll maybe gain an appreciation for what they were trying to do with this um but as it is right now yeah it's nothing it's not great <laughs> sounds good well thank you so much to our opening band that is teddy's atlas with the song horror movie story you can get them out the album children of the corn they're good good canadian boys uh keep checking out uh, swedish horror nerd stuff he's posting a lot of really really interesting stuff and retrospectives going on uh that guy is absolutely a workhorse. He loves, lives, and breathes horror, and he's doing wonderful as well. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check that stuff out. Any other shout-outs we got to give? Uh, other, other to James Gunn and Peacemaker, who obviously listens to the show. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, John Cena. John, John Cena actually uh-huh. is our number one uh, supporter. He actually <laughs> he, he blogs about it all the time. He's... You know, that, that reference in Peacemaker when he talked about, uh, you know, being the brother of a brother and being a member of the church and how, you know, he was the guy in um, Veloth Pastors, actually his brother, that was referenced to us. So, uh, you know, he's he, <laughs> they're, they're totally our fans, you know. Um, but now, um, do we know what we want to do? Do you know what? I'm gonna. I feel like I picked this and I subjected you to this. I'm gonna let you pick the next movie because <laughs> I, yeah, I feel I guess bad about so. I can't one. really think of anything off the top of my head right now. No, it's it's good. Honestly, like I said before, we are both diehard Resident Evil fans, and honestly, talking this with you for the past hour and a half. Oh um, God, it's an hour and a half. Makes me want to play through. Yes, <laughs> makes me want to play through Resident Evil Six again. So I don't so, know, and that's that's so easily the worst Resident. You're Evil saying game we're gonna play through a co-op of Resident Evil Six? Is that what I'm hearing? Because. <sighs> I don't know. I think so. Okay. I think we may. Let's do it. I fucking. I, I've I've only ever played that game wasted out of my mind. Um, <laughs> so like, <laughs> it's one of those games I played solo and I didn't really enjoy it. But I I didn't really enjoy five when I played it solo. But I had a blast playing it co-op. So I don't know. Maybe I should check it yeah, out. No, dude, if you want to play, it, let me know. If, you know, it's it, it's a. I I am a hundred percent here for it. Um, yeah. You know, if nothing else, yeah. If if, if it turns you towards the game, it's. Yeah, I guess that's the one good thing this game that this movie can give it to us. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening and stay groovy. Bye.